0: You're listening to the Theology Mom podcast, and now here's Theology Mom, Krista Bontrager.
1: Yay! Hello, everyone. Happy Saturday. How are you guys?
2: It's that time again. I, I
1: know. Are you going to read the cue sheet? No. Okay. <laughs> I write them every week. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> I got distracted. Sorry. Okay. All right. Because my mom is in the chat. And was, yeah. yeah. So I was distracted. Hello, Mom. <laughs> um, welcome to All the Things. This is the show where we talk about all the things related to God, life, and the Bible. I'm Monique Dusson. And I am
2: Krista Bontrager, also known as Theology Mom. And we love to discuss the cultural issues of the day and how they connect with the historic Christian faith. And we're glad we sure do. that you are along for the ride. We love all of our Saturday night friends.
1: Yes. But we couldn't do any of this without Bob Bontrager. Sitting right over there. Official button pusher. Yes. And maker <laughs> of all the things here. Yes. Yes. We could not do this without him.
2: And we should probably say like he works all week to constantly improve like little things. Like, mm-hmm. Like people probably just don't notice from week to week, but he's always thinking like, what could I do better? What could we do better? How could I make it sound better? Look better? You know, g- you know, what could I do? And, and
1: then not to mention the things that we do throughout the week. So yes. we had a midweek show this week. If you didn't catch it. We had two midweek w- yeah. shows. Oh, I, I had was only. OK, I was I, only on one. I, I had
2: <laughs> one and then we had one together. Yes.
1: So the midweek shows, the things that we do separate, he's Zoom calls. Yeah, yeah. He's behind the scenes of all of it. So we really yeah. appreciate Bob. That's right.
2: And a great way to uh, support the show is to hit that share button right now. We're going to have a great discussion tonight uh, with our friend Brian Crane about helping people during this time of crisis. So, yeah, go ahead. Click on share, follow, comment, thumbs up, do wherever platform you are. Please help us because all of those steps help our algorithm. Yeah. It helps people get the word out, and when YouTube tries to shadow ban us, we Bye. love you, YouTube.
1: Uh, it, it helps Less to let people over- know that they people are watching. Yes. All right. Now we mentioned that we had two midweek shows. Yes. Um, but first, let's talk about last week's show because okay. last week's show was really cool.
2: Yeah, it was. And Easter is like in the rearview mirror now, mm-hmm. but we did have a great conversation with our friend. Jim Mosley about the
1: chronology of Holy Week. Yes, and how things happen so quickly yeah you know it was like wow okay in the middle of the night in the middle of the night he was like seeing Pilate and or pilate as he (laughs) called him um and before you know it here he was at the cross things went extremely quick like people were where i always thought like oh it was the same people yelling out hosanna who were yelling out crucify him he was like no you know different people they're different people it was the people from the sanhedrin who were yelling crucify him and the Hosanna worshipers woke up that morning like, wait, what, what happened? happened? Yeah. Yeah. So. so it was really good. I say, if you don't, if you didn't see last week's show, hit YouTube and yeah. catch it. Yeah. So or on, on podcasts and wherever yeah. you
2: get your podcast, it'll be streaming there. But Spotify. Yeah. Then we had, I did a Monday night live stream on loving your neighbor during the pandemic mm-hmm. and had a really good conversation with people. Um, because I'm seeing so much social media chatter among evangelicals about the importance of staying quarantined as an expression of loving our neighbor, which I I agree with. Like, that could be a good thing. But there's some other things that we also need to consider. Yes. If and we're only so, looking at
1: this one piece, what else is being left out of that conversation? Yeah.
2: So. Talked about that. And then we did a Wednesday night live stream because it was tax day. Yes. So we had a special money edition, the manna from heaven. We talked about the stimulus checks.
1: Yeah. Like what we had Laura Hartley on and we asked responsibly, what should we as individuals be doing with our stimulus money? Because, you know, some people, if the clubs were open, they would want to (laughs) go. But no, that's no no club music on the show. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, responsibly, what should we be doing with our money? Because we're called to live wisely. Yeah. You know, so is that investing it? Is it saving it? Is it spending it to help boost the economy? You know, what is it that we should be doing? And then we spoke with Amanda Burke, who is an AFC. And I completely forgot what Something's AFC stands for. And I'm really sorry. Certified financial yes, person she's with credentials. A, yes. She has letters <laughs> behind her name, people. Um and she's been researching the money, the stimulus money for churches and yeah, the SBA religious loans. organizations. Yeah. yeah, the um, it's PPE, it's like payroll, something that yeah. like help keep payroll going. And I am butchering exactly what that money is. But we talked to her because there is some gray area between the church and state situation. Yeah. So if churches are accepting money from the state or from the government— What pressure could that potentially put on churches to conform to some state regulations? Yeah. So we had a a really good conversation. We didn't make any judgments or decisions, just really asked questions and put forward questions that churches and pastors should be asking.
2: Yeah, definitely. And so we want to encourage you to go check out those past broadcasts. A lot of content happening, but it's, you know, this whole stay at home order, you know, you have time. (laughs) we're all here together and we're here in our living room doing this. So, Um, and speaking of quarantine, well, before we do that, let's give some shout outs to people listening. If you are listening, go to YouTube, go give us, uh, join us in the live chat box and uh, give us a greeting. Let us know you're watching. Our friend Laura's there. Happy Saturday. I mean, happy All the things show day. I see what you did there. I like that. (laughs) And uh, your mother is watching. Hello, Pauline. Hi. And glad to have you here. Susanna is here. Uh, We love you, too. Thanks for watching. Annette is saying hi. So we are glad to have all of you here. And be sure to join that chat.
1: I just got notified on Facebook that Dr. Thaddeus Williams joined. Oh, I see him trying to be slick in the background. Okay. Hi. He's a professor from Biola. I don't know if I should really say that. You might have been trying to keep your anonymity secret. <laughs> Sorry. He you know. You just you just called him out. I know. Really good guy. Really yeah. good guy.
2: He's your buddy. Um, all right. So we are still quarantined.
1: Gosh. <laughs> People. What what did
2: Emily say? Emily keeps track. She's like tally marks on the wall. Yeah. Up in her room. Uh,
1: Day thirty. Day thirty. Day thirty, Ooh. yes. People, who we've been trapped is on this island essential for services? thirty days. We don't know who we're gonna vote out, but oh, we're here. We are. We're close. <laughs> who is defining essential services?
2: That, uh, sissy, when I know you're waiting for for the braid woman to come I'm to supposed the house to get my hair.
1: Okay, so they made the quarantine on Friday, but that Sunday I already had an appointment to get my hair braided. This is a problem. People, my my eyebrows are soon going to be bangs. I cannot <laughs> even. I cannot. I just can't. People don't understand. My hair is not wash and go material. It's not. It's not. <laughs> and I love my hair. Not like sad about my hair, but I, I just can't. We like, w- I she's
2: missing, missing her braids. We need, need the governor to make some kind of braid e- exception edict because we need the woman to come to the house for <laughs> money's braids.
1: I need lipstick. I need braids. Oh, yeah. This is
2: the last of the lipstick. We yes. don't know what she's doing next week. She no. was scraping the it's bottom. It's going to be some
1: 99 cent chapstick. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. Can't please. Back to two braids. The devil. No. <laughs> no. No. I cannot even.
2: So we are quarantined, but we are going to talk about another very important issue related to helping the poor and helping and talking to both you. And our friend Brian Crane from the Orange County Rescue Mission. So let's get Brian here and fire up the Zoom machine. There he is broadcasting from his house. Welcome, Brian.
0: Hey, how's it going?
2: Hey. It's good. Glad to you see can't
0: you. can't get lipstick on Amazon? That's not a thing?
1: No. No. Because <laughs> I don't know who, yeah, no.
0: <laughs> not the kind you want. Not personally. the kind
1: that I want. And I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, you know, if I order something and what if it comes and it's the wrong color yeah, and can't then I gotta send back. that back and that means that multiple people have touched that, I wouldn't want that. <laughs> if, you know, mm, that's. I have an issue with germs.
2: Yeah, Laura says Amazon has lipsticks. See, Brian might be onto something there.
1: Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I. <laughs> Brian
2: agrees with me. There it is. All right. So our friend Brian Crane uh, is joining us. He is the COO at the Orange County Rescue Mission and also the husband of the world famous Natasha Crane.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Natasha was on not too long ago. Yeah.
2: So we're glad to have you here. And I get to see Brian every month. Um, I've mentioned on the show that I uh, before that I am help you guys out there with some conversations on theology and apologetics with the students there at at the mission. So glad to to have you here. Um, Maybe you can talk to us a little bit, Brian, about what the Orange County Rescue Mission does and what your unique uh, contribution is to to that effort there.
0: Sure. So the Orange County Rescue Mission opt operates a number of transitional housing for homeless men, women, and children throughout the Orange County and early Southern California area. Our flagship campus is called the Village of Hope and that's in Tustin, California. And that can house up to 262 men, women, and kids. And when people come into the Village of Hope, they're really making a commitment to go through a program that's going to help them get back on their feet and address all the issues that led to being homeless or near homeless to begin with. So when people come in, they uh, are immediately given a volunteer job assignment on campus. They could be working in our warehouse, they could be working in the janitorial crew, in the kitchen. And during the course of their time, they will have, there's a big discipleship component. There is also life skills classes where we cover things like anger management, there's a lot of sobriety-focused material for groups and also one-on-one uh, opportunities with their case managers. And by the end of 18 to 24 months, our goal is that everyone who goes all the way through the program will number one uh, have accepted Jesus as their savior, number two will have a full-time job, number three will be moving into their own place that they can afford with their full-time job. And number 4 we'll not be relying on any kind of government assistance. So that's the overall aim of the program. And, um, we have a few campuses that, that reach specific groups. Like we operate a ranch that is just for men. We operate a program just for military veterans and we operate sort of a next step program for single women and their kids. So, um, now that basically covers it, uh, um, and as you mentioned earlier, Krista helps out tremendously with the apologetic side of some of the things that we do there too.
1: Yeah, it's a really good group. Now I heard you mention all of your programs. I thought you guys had an emergency placement too. This sounds like it's all transitional
0: housing. We, emergency we do being actually. thirty
1: to ninety day housing.
0: Yes, we operate for our host city, Tustin. We operate an emergency shelter, and that is actually set up as a a separate 501c3 because it is a contract with a government entity. So that is a tradition, more of a traditional, when people think of a homeless shelter, uh, that is more like that, where people can come in at all hours, they can stay for as long as they need. Our goal is to transition them to whatever the next step is for them. But there's no discipleship component because it is a government contract and it is set up separately.
2: Now, when people come here, I want people to have kind of a picture of what it's like at Village of Hope, because it's sort of like almost like an apartment complex. Yeah. But there's a, a medical center there. There's a there's like a cafe. There's a chapel. There's classrooms. There's it's just a, a really um, beautiful place. Um, it, it's, it's such a first class operation that they, that they run there at the Orange County Rescue Mission. And maybe Brian, you could talk to us a little bit about your approach to client care. Like, uh, you were telling us right before we went on the air, you know, that everybody gets to complete their high school diploma. You know, what other kinds of services do you provide and how do you shepherd them through the program?
0: Sure. Yeah. So our, I should have said up front, our, our mission is to minister the love of Jesus Christ to the least, the last, and the lost of our community. And it goes on to say that we do that through the provision of things like counseling, education, job training, food, clothing, shelter, health, independent living communities. But the idea there is that food, clothing, shelter is a given. And then we do the deeper dive on the things where people need to really address the issues of uh, what got them to be homeless in the first place. So, yes, we do have a health clinic on campus. We have a legal clinic that is staffed by a local law school. The students there do a uh, semester where they engage our students and help them with some of their issues, their legal issues that need to be cleared up. We uh Uh, in in order to graduate from the program, you do have to have a high school diploma. So I'd say probably about uh, 25% of our adult students who come into the program do not have a high school diploma. So there's two approaches on that, depending on how many credits they're lacking. They may do a, a, a certificate program if it's going to take a while, so if they have too many credits basically that they need to do, or they'll go to the local adult school through the school district um, but it's all done on our campus. So we do make sure that people come out with at least a high school diploma. Other students, as they're going through the program, they may find something that uh, a field of study that they might want to be able to pursue while they're there. We, have, we do have some who pursue uh, medical assistant certificates. We have uh, those who go to a local culinary school that we have a, a relationship with. So when people find an interest, as long as they can complete that certificate while they're in our program, we give them the opportunity to go and do that, and that, of course, helps them to be able to uh, earn a higher wage when they get out of the program.
1: I love the holistic approach to it—that you're you're seeming to catch all the the pieces. And then when they graduate, do they um, get like wraparound service through you guys? Um, sorry, I'll go into the technical terms, but not. Wraparound. Explain wraparound service for us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we we do have a, a, a an alumni program, as we call it. So we actually cons- continue to minister to our students after they graduate from the program. There's a, there are uh, two monthly things that they can come to, and they, there's kind of an ongoing education component uh, that focuses some around sobriety, other around uh, safe relationships and. Uh, there's one specifically for married couples, for example. So that's sort of the ongoing piece that, that really our students can, can participate in for as long as they want after they graduate from the program. And then we operate a few uh, campuses that are specifically for that sort of next step. One, we have an uh, apartment complex where it's a uh, reduced, reduced uh, program fee as they continue on for the first one or two years. So it's an opportunity for them to kind of put their toe in the water and be completely self-sufficient, but at a reduced rent as they continue to uh, maybe progress in their new career. And then we have a, a facility in Old Town Orange. It's, um, it, it looks like a, a big manor house. It's a, it's a beautiful facility. And what it is, it's it's 20 rooms with attached bathrooms and a communal kitchen. And that's for single women and their kids. And so they pay a reduced fee for the first two years. They can stay there after they come out of our program. So realistically, you could come in off the streets if you were a single mom, spend 18 to 24 months at the Village of Hope and really make a step forward and begin your life anew and then move into the house of hope, where you're now paying a program fee every month, you're responsible for preparing your own food, and it's kind of the next step. You could almost spend four years in one of our programs or campuses uh, before you move on. So there is a, a real emphasis on making sure that we don't throw people out there too soon. We understand that transformation takes time. We understand that sobriety takes time. And that sometimes when people are getting sober for the first time in a long time, they just need to be safe for a while. They need to be in an environment where, where the temptations of the world aren't going to be able to get to them as easily. And so being a privately funded organization where there's no real need to turn over people quickly, uh, we understand that things take time and we're able to minister to people at a level that, uh, that they need.
1: I love that. And that was that's the perfect example of a wraparound service. You kind of wrap around the client and walk with them so that as they transition from the transitional housing or from that shelter back into society, when they hit those bumps and, and bruises along the way, they're sheltered so it isn't as painful. You know, they can learn the lesson without completely um, just falling apart and falling back to that beginning space. I think right. what I... What
2: I'm thinking about as I'm listening to you, Brian, is how all of these things are predicated on really the idea that homelessness isn't um, probably their main problem. Homelessness is sort of a result of other problems that they're experiencing. And you guys are really trying to help people. Your solution isn't, well, let's just give them a home. Hmm. Your solution is, let's look at your life and see how we can simultaneously improve your situation by helping you improve yourself, but also dealing with the root causes that got you to homelessness in the first place. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. I, I will go so far as to say that homelessness is never, ever the root issue. Uh, it's always downstream of something else, whether it be mental illness, uh, drug abuse, broken families, Human trafficking is a big one these days. It's always downstream of that. And so acknowledging that is the first step in truly helping people and truly ministering to them the way that Jesus calls us to minister to people. That you're right, Krista, to just give someone the keys to a house and say problem solved. Well, it may, may temporarily get them off the streets. It does not get to the root and more than likely they're going to be back out on the streets in another year or two anyway, if you don't get to the root. So not only is it not the kindest and most compassionate thing to do, it's also probably not the smartest thing to do that. If you're going to try to, to address the problem, address it at its root and not just the symptom.
2: And that that's for me is what's so important because I see so many efforts to help homelessness that to me only address kind of the cosmetic issue of, of the home mm-hmm. and it doesn't yeah. get to the, the root of it and really helping to reposition people. That's why I'm so uh, such a believer in what Brian and his team are doing there because they, they, like he says, transition takes time, transformation takes time and we have to give people that time. I'm wondering, Brian, what have you seen has uh, changed since the rise of the virus and all this quarantining business. I know I want to have Monique share something she's noticed in, in her field dealing with food pantries, but let's start with you. What have, what changes are you noticing happening?
0: Well, it's interesting that, uh, the, the rate of people coming into the transitional program has really not changed at all. If anything, it's gotten, it's increased in the last few weeks. I think, um, we anticipated that it might slow down because we're wary of of anything. Um, And what we found, at least with transitional programs, is that it looks as if some people are seeing this as as a time of maybe realizing that their situation is not the best. Maybe they're realizing that you do not want to be on the streets when you get sick. And so there has been... Uh, in terms of those people who are truly looking to change, we, we have seen more people coming in. Now we mentioned the emergency shelter earlier. We had a lull on the emergency shelter. There was a, there was a time right about when everything shut down where we didn't really have anybody coming in for, for a few days. Part of that, I attribute to the fact that the police department was kind of having an all hands on deck ready for COVID calls that, uh, they weren't doing the traditional outreach that they do for that program, but I would say in the last week we started to see people coming in there mm. too, and so now it's really we're seeing people across the board who are who now that we're a few weeks into the quarantine, I think are saying, you know what, I'm going to use this opportunity to to change, and so we our doors have been open. Uh, we I I know that there are some organizations who kind of shut everything down, but we felt that we're not in a position to do that. If we're going to minister to the least, the last and the lost, well, you leave the light on and you leave the doors open when there's a, a, a health crisis like this. So um, we've, we've taken all the necessary precautions. We have protocols in place for isolating people if we need to, uh, but so far, uh, praise God, we haven't had any positive cases on any of our campuses, awesome. but uh, we are prepared.
2: So Monique, what are you noticing at your position You are a director at a food pantry, three food pantries, actually, that are connected. What have you guys noticed in terms of service?
1: There's been a huge increase. Um, We would serve like on a regular basis, I'd say 250 to 300 families a week. Right now we're at 600 families, 620 a week. And it's, I mean, it's due to the layoffs, it's due to furloughs and, you know, all of that in addition to people just experiencing food insecurity anyway. And so, yeah, I, for us, it's been a big upswing where we are at the L.A. Regional Food Bank and, you know, trying to procure donations from private citizens and things like that. But our donor base I feel like we've we've stayed stable. We've had a few people who have said, you know, I won't be able to continue donating right now. But we've been able to stay, you know, pretty stable with our private donations. I think donations from. Um, now you're talking about supplies. No, like, supply. I was talking food. about like from private citizens, like okay. private donors. OK. But things like grocery stores and um, vendors who used to give to us have had to cut back. Oh. Because the supply is so heavy from consumers.
2: OK. So another thing that's been kind of hard for you is a lot of your volunteers are in the vulnerable population. They are. Yes. So we have a lot of senior citizens mm -hmm. are the people that staff your food pantries week in and week out. Yeah, we're
1: all volunteer run. And um, our volunteer base is from the older population, more elderly. And so we lost a bunch of people just like overnight. It was like, oh, my gosh, I can't go outside. And, but the, I feel like the private community where we are has really stepped up. And so I've seen, you know, the, the sadness of losing a lot of volunteers, but the beauty of the community coming together and saying, Hey, you know, we've been laid off. We have time to give.
2: That's great. And so, uh, you, You've implemented instead of them coming in the building. We have a drive-through drive-through system. service.
1: Mm-hmm. So at all three of our locations, if people need food, they can they'll drive right up and with social distancing or physical distancing, will be served and serviced. We'll get their information and they'll just continue almost like McDonald's window one, window two, <laughs> you know, and they get their food, the food that's needed, and yeah. they go from there. But the amount of people, you know, it. So a lot of people
2: getting laid off and needing food and, mm. and a lot of people are furloughed. Um, they're not sure if they're going to be going back. There's a mm. lot of, a lot of insecurity there,
1: but like um, Brian's organization being privately funded. And we'll talk about that later. Cause I, I think that, Um, Being privately funded gives you more room to do the things that are needed. So you were saying, you know, being able to have that transitional period and understanding that transition doesn't just occur overnight and how some organizations will keep you and then it almost seems like they drop you. Like, what is the difference between... A government organization, an organization that is receiving government funds that is mandated to say, well, I have two years. You have two years to get your stuff together. And from there, I have to kind of legally turn you over because I'm holding a grant that says I have to get you out versus an organization that is only receiving private funds that is connected to church organizations and things like that. And re- receiving that funding that can say, Hey, you know what? We have you for two years. And for two years after that, we're going to still hold on to you and walk with you through the process. Yeah.
2: Brian, why don't you talk Brian. us, talk us through how that, how that works and what some of those pros and cons are in terms of how uh, missions like yours get funded.
0: Yeah. Well, most gospel rescue missions uh, for the most part are privately funded. And the big reason is because they don't want the government telling them how to run their program. They don't want to get into a situation where it's like, okay, here, here's a, a big percentage of your annual budget. And by the way, let's make sure that we have a, a track through your program where you never talk about the gospel, which can very easily happen. And, and so... Our approach has always been that we are uh, privately funded entirely for the, the transitional portion of our program. We, all, we also operate a, a health clinic on campus and that's a separate 501C. Because you can't operate a health clinic uh, in a low income area without uh, taking government money. But the approach is, I mean, on, on the one hand, people might say, wow, that's crazy. How do you do that with just private donations? But on the other hand, if you're one of the few games in town that's offering a gospel centered program to those who are are seeking to get off the streets. Well, that's attractive to people. That's, and in fact, uh, most of our donors are just small families giving, giving a few dollars every month. It's not like we're, uh, we have some major, major donor who's funding 40% of our budget every year. So uh, I think there's, we, we have, literally thousands of people giving a small amount because it's something that they believe in. And so that's, that's a positive side of it. I mean, the, the, the conflict that we often run into is that we're not really kind of tracking with the other agencies who are primarily set up to offer someone some sort of housing situation. If you, if you work in the land of homeless services and you are not a gospel rescue mission, for the most part, you hear the term housing, housing, housing over and over again. Um, housing first. I was going to say housing
1: first mentality. We have to have a housing first mentality. Rapid rehousing.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. And so, you know, we talked about that earlier. That's, that's great insofar as it goes. But if you're approaching this with a lens Towards really ministering to the whole person, then housing first, rapid rehousing. I'm not. I will not say that there's not a place for those. I think that that the notion sometimes of someone who is for the most part self-sufficient and they hit a rough patch and all they really need is uh, quickly get into a a a new apartment while they turn their situation around. Mm -hmm. There is a there is a time and place for that. I so I'm not one to sit here and and poo-poo all of that. But for the most part, if your entire approach to every homeless situation is to offer someone um, a housing situation while it kind of becomes a a, like the dog chasing its tail you can only do that so often and and also at the risk of attracting more people into your municipality who see that and it just kind of sort of exponentially grows
1: i agree Uh, the the rapid rehousing the housing first it's what people don't normally understand is that the contract kind of guides the services that you can provide. And when, when the contract is the guide, biblically, you can't do a lot of things. And so there's, there's different barriers in place. And so then you can't be guided by Christ or by his word and um, the ability to also care for someone's soul. So when you, we
2: think about who we're going to support, I mean, cause I know that many Christians want to help the homeless. Like we we understand that helping the poor is a is a biblical idea. It's something we should do as Christians, but I think we struggle oftentimes in what is the best way to do that. And Monique and I have had conversations on past shows about um enablement versus empowerment. empowerment. Mm-hmm. And that that is an important distinction because We believe the gospel isn't just a great idea, that it has transforming ideas. It changes people, but that kind of downside of getting government money, you know, can limit how we go about that ministry. And I I really want to hear both of you speak on this issue because Christians want to help the poor. I think their heart's in the right place, but we don't always know the best way to do that. And I think the unique contribution of the gospel missions is important for people to be aware
1: of. You can go yeah. first, Brian.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, people, Krista, people often ask me a little more specifically, just let's be frank. Could I give the guy on the side of the road uh, $5 that I see every day? That I, People ask me that a lot. And, you know, the 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 answer that people often spout is, well, that person is going to go spend this $5 on drugs and alcohol. And let's face it, you don't know. He may or may not. But one thing that I think that we can do as believers is be prepared to offer more than money. And what that can mean is, at the very least, you should know what the services are in your community that minister to people in a whole way. If you have a gospel rescue mission in your community, then Uh, it's worth checking them out. It's worth getting to know them. It's worth maybe getting your church involved with them. Uh, If not, you may at the very least know of programs. That should be something that you do uh, as your homework in advance so that when you do encounter someone, you know, there's nothing stopping you from trying to have a relationship with someone. Maybe you, you walk past this person every day on the way into your building back when or and when you're starting to walk into your building again and are not socially distancing, but say that you encounter the same person every day. You know, instead of dropping a few coins in the, in the cup, you could stop, talk to them, get to know their name, address them by their name when you walk by, and in time, maybe offer them uh, a, a solution. Maybe talk to them about programs that you know that they could get into. So that's a way of, of engaging people It requires a little bit more work, it requires a little bit more homework, but at least you won't feel like you're tossing your money away. And and at the same time, I would say that most people that are out there that you encounter, they don't encounter someone in a personal way. You, You may be the only person, for example, that addresses them by their name in a given day. And so building that sort of trust with someone will make them more receptive to what you may have to offer them later on.
2: But what I love about that is that what the underlying assumption of all of those ideas Brian is that we're treating people with dignity because they're created in the image of God. And when we call people by name and we take the time to say hello, to treat them like a fellow human person and to 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 find out their name and to think in advance of what are some options that are available in our community for you, we are truly loving them as our neighbor because we are honoring them and their dignity because they're created in the image of God. We don't just give them now solutions, you know, in the short term, because that doesn't always help to honor them. I don't know what your thoughts
1: are. I would agree, but I think that there are times when, you know, we do give in the now situation, you know, if it's the summertime and the guy is homeless and I know I have a bottle of water, I'm going to give him a bottle of water. That's a now situation. Um, but having the information is important because then it becomes a choice. It becomes a, an empowered situation. Um, I always say, you know, if the Lord tells you, you yeah. know that you need to give someone that money, then you go ahead. I would coming from the standpoint of now having um, run like a for profit, not for profit, but an a organization that receives government funds, and now working with an organization that receives no government funds. I'm like, wow, you know, if you have, if you're giving this guy like ten dollars. Every other week, how about you give that $20 here and support the organization that he could go to and receive even more service? I think that's where I'm at. Aside from that, I pretty much say kudos to everything that yeah. Brian said.
2: I, I My husband is one of my heroes. And one of the things that he's done on a few occasions where the Lord has prompted him is he'll actually just go up and start talking to homeless people He'll sit with them and buy them a lunch and talk to them, pray with them. Uh, one one time I remember he he met a guy at the gas station. The guy came up to ask him for money and the Holy Spirit started talking to him. And he took the guy inside, bought him a sandwich, talked to him. Next thing he you knows, the, the, the homeless guy was giving him a prophetic word <laughs> to my husband. And the Lord was speaking to the homeless guy and giving Bob some encouragement. So you just never know who it is that you're talking to and, you know, listening to the Lord because we're Christians, that, that is a thing. Like sometimes the Lord just tells us to do stuff. And Bob came home that day and he says, I just, I have to tell you something. I, I gave a homeless guy, you know, this much money today. And he says, just cause the Lord told me to, and I'm like, you got to do what you got to do to obey the Lord. Yeah. So yeah. One of the
1: things that I do want to mention, um, I know that we are talking about homelessness and all of that, but in the same vein remembering that in this time there are also people who may not be homeless but could actually be on the verge of it, and you would never know. Or they're
2: they're suffering with, like, they're on the margins of not having quite enough food or struggling.
1: I'm so glad you're bringing that up. Yes, do you know where a food pantry is in your neighborhood um do you know how someone can you know get in contact with the right organization to be able to assist with their food or their medical stuff and you know it's more than just the guy that we see on the side of the road in this time it is everyone yeah. you know it, how there's a good percentage of people that are what two two paychecks two paychecks away from being homeless well here we are in this time in this emergency moment where people need to gear all of their money toward their bills, and a lot of times that leaves
0: out things like food.
2: Yeah. Anything you want to add to that, Brian?
0: No, I w- I would agree wholeheartedly. In fact, uh, we one of the things that we do is we pick up food from uh, about twelve grocery stores days a week, mm-hmm. and. We use what we can in our programs and then we distribute it to some local food pantries. And yeah, we, we have seen such an uptick on that. And I, I agree. I think on the other side of this, you, you're already seeing it. You're already seeing families who would have never thought that they were going to be in line for the drive-through uh, never, food bank, ever. That, that, you know, now they're, they're coming every week. And you know, praise God. I know down in Orange County there, there have been some really big events, and so far that's that's all been manageable. But I would I would agree that as this progresses, not only will there be food insecurity, there's going to be a lot of drug and addiction issues on the other side of this. So a lot of the things that maybe we touch on at the rescue mission for people that have really hit rock bottom are going to become issues for people that, that would never find themselves in that position, hunger, sobriety issues, abuse. And so as Christians looking to be able to help people, well, you know, maybe now's the time where you start finding the organizations that you can team up with to help minister to people and to help, help people get back on their feet. Maybe your church can partner with the local food bank, whatever it is. Now's the time to be thinking about it, because uh, there's a tidal wave of need coming very quickly here. and And God has a part for all of us to
2: up here. You could and talk to us about um, the what gospel missions do oftentimes in terms of presenting the gospel and and what you guys are doing at the Orange County Rescue Mission to even offer apologetics <laughs> as part of your program, because that's such a unique feature.
0: Yeah, well, at, at the various missions do it different ways. I can speak for our program. Uh, when when students come into the program, they're making certain commitments that that a discipleship component is something that they're going to explore. So what that means is we ask them to go to church every Sunday at a minimum. Uh, there is a church that meets in our, on our campus, um, and they are welcome to go to that, but they don't have to, maybe they already have a relationship. We just ask that they be going to a Bible believing church. And if they do go off campus, we ask them to bring back their, uh, their notes on the, on the message. So there's a little bit of accountability there. Um, and then there's a chapel service once a week. There's, we have everybody go through a discipleship, uh, book series and they meet every week uh, for a one-on-one with their case manager and discuss their progress through that. There are various Bible studies on campus that churches and years ago, we realized that there's a certain percentage of our students who are kind of sitting on the sidelines about 30 to 60 days in. It's interesting, they're maybe hearing about the gospel and the Bible and God for the first time but they're not all in. And really, they have questions. They have honest questions that people should be asking when they're exploring a new worldview. And so we started a apologetics program where we invited local speakers to present on a topic once a month. And we're just, you know, we're very well situated in Southern California. We have so many uh, wonderful teachers, including Krista, who have come and spoken there. And then, uh, once a month, too, there's a discussion group where they kind of unpack what was discussed. So we've had uh, Greg Kokel, Jay Warner Wallace, Sean McDowell, uh, Bobby Conway, Craig Hazen, Natasha Crane. She's amazing. Uh, and they come and do their thing, and they talk about maybe the issue that's that they're uh, very vulnerable uh, in. And our our student, it's been such a tremendous blessing to students because you kind of clear away, and Krista, you could speak about this better than I can. You clear away some of those those low lying objections and really get to the heart at what maybe people are wrestling with as they're coming to faith.
2: Yeah, I get the honor of leading the discussion group once once a month, and I love it. I I love all the students. Um, they just have such great questions, and I've been very blessed by how they are genuinely wrestling with the faith. And they're wanting to know like, what does Christianity have to say about the the things that I have been through? And some last uh, month, there were two gals in the group who disclosed that they had just come out of human trafficking situations. And one of them I felt like was about three seconds away from uh coming to faith in Christ because she just was so close. She was asking amazing questions. And I'm like, wow, this, if this girl ever really finds the Lord or meets the Lord in a, she could end up being a preacher. Like she was just, she was asking all the right questions and had, had just come out of a a human trafficking situation. But I think that what, one of the things I've learned about being there is um, it's, truly for me, a manifestation of, of believing that all humans are created in the image of God. And part of that means honoring their, their mind, that they have dignity of a mind that God has given them. And we don't want to just meet their physical needs. We want to um, meet their spiritual needs and their intellectual needs. And many people in this community have intellectual needs and, um, Every month, their favorite topics are um, evil. (laughs) We have lots of conversations about evil. We have lots of conversations about the supernatural, Mm -hmm. about the demonic realm, because I think that many of them have had supernatural experiences. Many of them have been on drugs and drugs sometimes opens ourselves up to the demonic realm and you don't have to convince them at all that, that demons are real. They just want to know how to make sense of it. And so for them, part of the apologetics enterprise is how do I make sense of other religions? How do I make sense of other religious experiences? Those are all big themes that just seem to recur over and over again. But I just stand up there for an hour and play Stump the Scholar while they try to uh, ask me all their questions about different things. And Monique gets to eavesdrop many months. Sometimes Bob comes down I'm the driver,
1: (laughs) so... But we pick her up from work and then we drive on down. Yeah. And I take a yeah. nap
2: in the car. She does. And then, we,
1: then she come. buys me Sonic on the way home.
2: <laughs> so, but it's Gosh, good. It, it's it's yeah. a wonderful ministry. And I just want to, you know, if any other uh, gospel mission people out there um, see this and are intrigued by this type of ministry, I want to encourage you. Get some apologetics for your for your residents and incorporate that into your program. I know literally hundreds of apologists all over the country. We could probably get you hooked up with someone. <laughs> so, but it's, yeah, it's a so wonderful, wonderful so thing. You're well doing so
0: well put, Krista. That's so well put. And, uh, and we're certainly blessed that you come and have those discussions with people every month, but I would agree, you know, apologetic sometimes gets a bad rap uh, in the church at least. And, uh, but it's, it's so obviously needed and, and maybe, you know, when we first started doing the apologetics program, uh, I had people say, "So you're doing apologetics at the homeless shelter?" It's like, "Well, yeah, we are, because people have questions, and if there are any barriers to faith that that can be honestly addressed and answered, why wouldn't we be doing that?" So, good, good call out to anybody else. And if I would agree that if there are other rescue missions, it, it we we have a bit of a prototype to, and it's just a matter of teaming up with people in your community. And there are always people in the community who have the, uh, the ability and the calling to do it. And um, I would highly encourage people to do. it.
2: Yeah, definitely. I want to go to a couple of comments here. Um, Our friend Lisa or Liza maybe um, says food insecurity is real in our current world. New people in our own church family are experiencing food insecurity, which equals new ways for the body to minister to each other. Yes. And amen. To that, and many churches have food pantries, and if you're looking for a way to serve the poor in a really practical way, see what you can do to to help local food pantries, especially ones that come through churches. They're often on the smaller end of the scale. Find a gospel rescue mission in your area. Um, Brian, is there like a hub where people can go to find a gospel mission in in their area?
0: Yes, that's a that's a great question. There's a there is an association of gospel rescue missions. It's called City Gate Network. So their their website is citygatenetwork.org, and if you go to that website, you can plug in your zip code and find uh, any of the member organizations within a certain mile radius of you. And there's hundreds, if not thousands, on there. So it's a great place to start.
2: Okay, uh, Bob's pulling that up here. We're gonna let people know that at web address, again, it's citygatenetwork.org. And you can find out more about that, uh, what gospel mission might be in your area.
1: I want to go to Liza. Um, she asked a question. She says, do you encounter difficulty in conversations due to mental health issues?
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, we know for a fact that the people that come into our program, 66% of them up front disclose sobriety or drug abuse problem, and almost half disclose some sort of mental health issue. Now, the thing is, is that... We get people that come into our program who will say they have a mental health issue, but the, the bottom line is maybe they need to be uh, med compliant for thirty days or so, and they're enough to be able to come into our program. So we don't turn people away because of that. Now, if it's if it's if it manifests itself in extreme ways, and we can refer them to the next level of care, but all of that is to say that. I think sometimes we're too quick to turn people away, not not we, but as just in general, humans respond to people and go, oh, wow, that person might be too crazy for me to talk to. But the, the reality is, is that when you're out on the streets for a while, and you're encountering all kinds of things, and you're insecure about whether you're going to still have your spot on the street the next day, it, it really has a... a, a tremendously negative effect on people and on their state of mind. So while I would say that it is an issue, I have seen people come in who who were deemed mentally ill, who after 18 months in our program, you would never even even think that about them. And part of it is just finding stability, finding a place where they can just be and rest for a time. Mm -hmm. And in some cases becoming med compliant.
1: Yes, good word. And I was going to say the exact same thing, um, what people don't understand a lot of times is that people need time to become med compliant. And so, you know, like having that time for the medication to actually take effect in your system, it doesn't happen overnight. And sometimes it's weeks or months or finding what the right cocktail is. And so what programs like the Orange County Rescue Mission does is... It gives them that time. It gives them the time to transition. And that's why I was saying it's a holistic program because it's not just about finding your housing or getting your budget in order. It is also about your mental health. It's about your physical health. It's about your spiritual health. It's a holistic thing. And so it's true. When you've done drugs or you've been an alcoholic or you've been living on the street, all of those things wear on your mental capacity Maybe you have bipolar disorder or some other, you know, mental health issue, and you need to be medicated for that. What transitional facilities do is they give time. And then not only do they give you time, but they give you time with a professional. So your case manager is someone who can walk you through those steps and check in with you and have the appropriate conversation with you that you wouldn't get if someone just says, oh, hey, I I know you're my nephew. Come live with me.
2: Yeah, that's really good. and. I love having both of you here because you're both uh, such veterans in this area. And Monique's been working with the homeless for uh, on and off for a couple
1: of decades. So it's just, oh, you yeah. don't have to put it like that. Decades,
2: <laughs> it's, it's, decades just seems so long. I know. You know? It's, <laughs> it's great. And just to be able to ask our questions. Um, our friend Rhyme His Songs says about the discussion group, what a feeling, fulfilling outreach uh, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that room. I could imagine that to be a perfect place to refresh a, a minister on burnout. Boy, that is a true and prophetic word. I had gone through some really hard ministry times when Brian, uh, uh, actually it's Natasha, Brian's wife reached out to me about helping take over the group. And I had just gone through just a really hard time in my own ministry and was like, "I don't know if I want to do any more ministry right now, but it has been an absolute refreshment to go and be with people that are so hungry and to get 20, 30 people out just for a discussion group about faith conversations and hard questions. You would be hard-pressed to get that many people out for that those kind of topics just at a regular local church. Mm-hmm. But these people are they're genuinely hungry. And I've been blown away by their thoughtful questions just month after month. There's one guy in the group, used to be a high school science teacher. You would never know that he was homeless, that he struggled with addiction. The addiction had just ruined his life. He, you know, he, he wasn't teaching anymore. Um, I kind of, I'm not for sure if like his family's even still in the picture anymore, but just probably a guy about my age, you know, and had just completely shipwrecked his life. And it's been so great to have him in the conversation. He doesn't say a lot. He just listens. And then he'll usually come talk to me afterwards about how he's growing in his faith and that it, it's just the group blesses him. And it's just wonderful to be able to just keep encouraging people. It has been a time of absolute refreshment.
1: Please, I sit there and I'm like, oh, Lord, I need to read my Bible. They, they just <laughs> up on me. There are things that I do not know. And I am like, oh, how'd you know that? Yeah. My goodness. So. Yes. They ask great questions. And I think, you know, you said it, you said it so well, like, you know, they have questions and are asking questions and discussing things that we don't even discuss in church usually. And I think that yeah. speaks so well to the character of the people that are coming to this group. And um, you mentioned like being created in God's image and the needs that our mind have. And so yeah. I think that's spot on. Like there are certain needs that we have that we don't even realize that we have. And those deeper conversations are part of that. So we're still getting we're starting to get a lot of uh,
2: comments on the chat Um Brian uh, Kimba is a frequent viewer says she wishes she knew about this kind of thing. When she was cleaning parking lots, she had quite a few homeless people there. And I think that's just a really good word Kimba of, of, you know, you never know where you're going to encounter people. It's good to be prepared. Like Brian said, to know the resources in your area uh, so that you can help refer people and give them hope. Um, Our friend Susanna says, if you aren't sleeping well, day in and day out on the street, it can cause anyone to have mental health symptoms. They are in
1: fight or flight flight
2: or flight all the time causing anxiety. I can imagine that that would really wear on people. Um, Let's see. Rhyme, his songs says regarding dignity in the healthcare field. I once asked, I once once worked. worked for a provider of Medicaid services and was moved with the doctor that was a believer when I was not yet the way he spoke to them with such honor. Ooh, that's a good, that's a good word. Mm-hmm. And everybody at the rescue mission, I've been so impressed with, you know, just how they honor one another and, and that it's just part of the culture there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's very cool. Yes. Lots of, lots of good, good comments here. Um, Liza, Liza says, wow, real talk that sometimes doesn't happen among church people. Oh, that's what we're all about here at All the Things. Yes. Because we think that theology has bearing on every aspect of the life of our lives. We think the Bible has something to say. So tonight we're talking about how to help the poor. Any final words for us, Brian, any words of encouragement for our, our viewers?
0: Well, I uh, one thing you, you I kind of have to give a shout out here that you mentioned that I, I know the person you're talking about uh, that attends your uh, oh. discussion group. And he's one of uh, three students in recent months who completed the apologetic certificate program at Biola.
1: Oh, wow. Biola
0: was gracious enough to donate that opportunity for our students to go through that program. It's such an awesome program and, and really anybody should do it if they if they can. Um, you can do it from home and uh, on the computer. And so we've had students that have, have completed that and um, as and with Biola donating that opportunity. So that's that's really cool. Um, as a way of encouragement, you know thank you for having me on the program. And I think it's always good to just talk about these issues and to talk about them with your family, when you're considering those that you know, who are in need, they don't have to be the homeless person uh, that you, you drive by every day. But we all know people who are in need or going to be in need um, in the next few months coming out of this COVID crisis. And you know, you don't have to, you can give money to people without without getting the tax deduction. Mm -hmm. If you know some, if you're gainfully employed right now by the grace of God and you know, people that are hurting, you can give them money directly. I feel like so often Christians immediately go, where's the tax deductible Mm -hmm. uh, entity that I could donate to, but just, in the, in the next few months, be praying for opportunities to minister to people directly, because that's where the real ministry happens is when you're directly talking to people and you're directly impacting their lives. And believe me, there's, there's going to be plenty of opportunity to do that in the coming weeks and months.
1: That's a good word. That's really good. Um, But you know, I had a thought about um, just before we wrap up, you mentioned the connection to Biola. And when I go um, down to the mission, I always wonder, I wonder how many organizations they're connected to. How many different places are they connected to? And, what people don't realize is that that's your job. Like as the executive director, you're that connector with the, the community and with the schools and things like that. And that's a ton of work day in and day out. And then overseeing staff and overseeing programs and <laughs> implementing new programs and making sure that, you know, all of this stuff stays afloat, you know, that's, that's a big thing. And then reporting to the board and, you know, all of that. So kudos to you. Thank you for that. Because there are countless lives that are, that are being impacted and have been impacted and will be impacted because of your choice to serve.
0: Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Brian, for
2: being on the show. We really appreciate it. And um, I think that what you, the, what you're doing there. Is just such important work. Again, Brian is with the Orange County Rescue Mission, a very worthwhile group. If you live in the Orange County area, I want to encourage you to maybe volunteer or think about if you have a business or something mm-hmm. of how you can get involved with them. Or go find a gospel mission in your area, but figure out the resources that you can Get connected with
1: and get connected and
2: and get connected and be talking to your
1: kids about these yeah. things. And it's more than just financial. Yeah. Like go volunteer. Yeah, you know if you can't if you can't can do that. Yeah. yeah, volunteer, serve, give. There's so much need, and even if it's not something that you can do monetarily,
2: yeah,
1: get out and f- serve. Yeah,
2: very good. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Thanks for having
0: me. Yeah. God bless. God Bye. bless. Take
2: care. Okay, well, that was good. I think that what is coming, what was coming to me at the end there is the importance of talking to our kids about these things. And I know that's something that Brian's wife, Natasha, is so passionate about. She writes books for parents to help equip them to have strategic conversations about the faith with, with their kids. But this is a whole other area that we need to be talking to our kids about is responsible, biblically-based ways of helping the poor seeing the poor noticing them what can we do how can we be wise stewards of our money how can we engage in sharing how can we resource people in our community these this is all part of our faith this Mm -hmm. isn't just like about being a nice person Mm -hmm. this is about showing evidence to the world that we really belong to god yeah and we need to have those conversations with our kids yeah yes So, all right. Any final words about helping the poor? I know you were looking at the comments there.
1: No, I was, I was looking at the comments and then you started talking to me and I was like, oh, I better pay attention. (laughs) I'm just sitting here talking to myself. No, it's not true. That is not true. Um, Because Liza says send Uber Eats delivery directly to people. And that just, I was like, oh, Uber Eats sounds so good right now. But sorry, that was, that was literally my thought. I just, (laughs) sometimes it's like that folks.
2: Okay. Are we ready for the tweet of the week?
1: Speaking of clubs, if you go to a club and they got this kind of music, you need to go home. (laughs) I'm not not saying that I frequent the clubs, but if I did and they played that kind of music, I'd go home. Maybe in a
2: past life, she went to the clubs.
1: In a past life. I'd only move like one shoulder. I wasn't one of those people wilding out. I was just just one shoulder kind of girl. It's like, hey. (laughs) Sometimes. Uh, All right. So what's the okay. tweet of the week All Tweet right. of the week? It's a very simple tweet. What is
2: your favorite book of the Bible and why? And I would love it if people type it in on the chat just oh, now. Yes. And so I was going to ask you first, what is your favorite book of the Bible?
1: And why? Um, It's kind of rough. My favorite book of the Bible is definitely Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Definitely Jeremiah. Okay, Tell me about that. Um, I just love his rawness. <laughs> I do. I love that he weeped. And then he was like, smite them. <laughs> I love, love, love Jeremiah. Um, and then anything that talks with, anything where Peter is involved. But especially my favorite, like, I feel like one of my favorite verses is when Peter cut off the ear of Malchus, just, Malchus, just, the century. Malchus. Yes, ma- Yes. Malchus. Yes. I just, it's, it's one where I'm like, look at that loyalty. You got to be ride or die. And he was like, I'm here for you, Jesus. I'm going to come all the way through. Is that you? I just there's a
2: loyalty that just rises up in me. You are a very loyal person, and that uh, that I could see why you you like that. Okay, Rhyma Song says her favorite book is the Book of Hebrews. Liza says Ephesians or Hebrews. Hebrews is doing well, right? Okay, yeah, Hebrews is a good. Hebrews
1: didn't almost make it into the the (laughs) canon. Yeah, yes, I learned that at the rescue mission. It was sort of on the bubble. Yes, it was like, hey, we don't know about (laughs) Hebrews. (laughs) (laughs) But there it is. Ruth loved the story of loyalty and redemption. Well, speaking of the book of
2: Ruth, um, our friend Jim Mosley just restarted his. Jim Mosley from last week. Our guest from last week just restarted his Bible class. And we met on Thursday night. We put it up on the big screen. It was on Zoom. And Jim went through the whole book of Ruth in like an hour, hour and a half. It
1: was really cool. Wow. What's your favorite book?
2: Well, oh, that's a tough one. Um, I like different books for different reasons, but I think that if I were to pick one, it would probably be Ephesians, mm. just because there's so many good topics in there. It, it talks about identity and salvation and spiritual warfare, the church. There's just a ton of good topics. I think it's a great book to go through for new Christians. It, it just grounds you. I, that's probably definitely one of my favorites. So, uh, your mother, Pauline says revelation. She likes revelation. Uh, Susanna says the book of Esther, uh, Hebrews Liza said, because of the beautiful gospel rhetoric, I have to agree with you, man, if it wasn't for the book of Hebrews, we would really not clearly know how to think about the old Testament, you Hmm. know, and it's such an important commentary on the old Testament and how Christians relate to the Old Testament. So Bob, what's your favorite book? Uh,
1: I would say a gospel of John.
2: Okay. Yeah. Gospel of John. Yeah. That's a good one. It is. Yeah. We just read that as a family a few months ago. Yeah. Started in December. Took us a, a fair bit. So. All All right. right. I'm just looking on Facebook to see if there's catching any last minute comments. Yes. Seeing if there's any comments there.
1: While you're talking about comments, I'm going to talk about my book study group. Yes, please do. Yes. So we announced it, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I am leading a book discussion group. It starts tomorrow. um, And we're going to go through... I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. I don't know what camera I should be looking at. Maybe this this one. one. Okay, there we go. The Third Option by Miles McPherson. And it says, Hope for a Racially Divided Nation. How do we have conversations around race and unity? Um, That is going to be the theme of the group. We have 15 people registered right now, and I'm accepting up to 20. So we have five more slots available. If you would like to find out more information, you can go to the Center for Biblical Unity on Facebook. Um, yeah.
2: Or the website. Or you
1: can go to our website. You can email us at attlivestream at gmail.com. Look at you. You have your own website now. There's that. I remember
2: the days when you used to come on and say, I I don't have a website. I don't. And now here you are. Now I do. You're looking all official there. But you can click on contact and they can reach out to you there. Yeah. At the center for biblical unity at Mm gmail.com. So. Yes,
1: you can email. Yes, you can also email. See, I didn't even think about emailing me directly. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) you can email me directly. Center for biblical unity at gmail.com. But we're going to have fun. It's a six week study. Yep. We'll go through about three chapters a week and have some um, exercises and talk about, talk race. about race and now, why now, it's so hard to talk
2: about race. Well, and that's the thing is that inviting people to a conversation about race is a little bit like inviting people to get, get a, root, a shot, get yeah. a root canal. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to sign up for that. That doesn't sound fun. So help us know, like, you know, what's going to be different about this? Is this going to be like me going on Twitter and seeing a lot of angry people?
1: I hope not. Cause I don't even really go on Twitter myself. <laughs> I just, no, no. The, one of the things that when I think about heaven, I think about the culture of honor. Mm-hmm. And when Miles McPherson writes the third option, he looks at having conversations of race and unity from the, the third option, the option of honor. And how do we honor one another? How do I acknowledge your hurt and create a space where I can listen and ask questions as opposed to condemning, judging, just jumping to my own conclusions? But I'm human, so I will do that. And how can I also acknowledge that this is what's happening in me? Like, I wanna say that it'll be a safe space, but I've been wrestling with this word of safe. Yes, it will it, it will be safe in the idea that nobody's cussing each other out. We're not yelling. We're not we're not getting crazy, but there is risk involved. Yeah. So we will we will confront our own bias. Everybody has bias, you know, I think So
2: by safe. What I'm thinking is mistakes are allowed.
1: Yes. Mistakes are allowed. We're going to definitely trudge this space together. It's going to be a six week journey of having conversations that I may want to have with someone else but I'm, I'm just not there yet or learning how to have the conversations or maybe
2: people had race conversations with people in the past. And it didn't go so it well. It didn't go well. Yeah. And they got hurt. They got wounded. So this is a place to try again mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. So if people want to get connected, go to center for biblical unity and.
1: Dot .com, com. Or you can check out the Facebook page. The is. information is there. You can email me. Um, yeah, it's there. But uh, yeah, so it'll it starts tomorrow and yep. I'm excited It's going to be
2: on Zoom mm-hmm. so people can live anywhere and it'll be great. Our friend Susanna says she's in your group. She said she's yes. read her first three chapters. Woo. So other Good people for you. That's awesome. you can jump in. Uh, rhyme His Songs uh, says. I like that cover, cover third option.
1: Keep it up, please. Yes. Yes.
2: Annette says it's hard to pick just one book of the Bible. I, I hear you, Annette but she really likes the book of Romans. That's a good one. That's a very good one. Uh, Kimba says she spends most of her time in the Psalms. That's also a good place. So we want to thank you all for watching, being such faithful viewers. We love your comments. We love interacting yeah. with you. And we want to thank you for your prayers. And we're praying for you during these times of, of uncertainty, Hopefully, we'll be uh, getting back to work soon. Hopefully, we'll be returning to the world.
1: (laughs) Even with the mask on.
2: Yes. But in the meantime, uh, we're just going to keep trying to provide good content for you and help equip and train you to think about what's happening to us, but from a distinctly Christian point of view.
1: Yeah. And send us your questions. If there's a topic that you would like us to discuss, send that. Send us your feedback. We would love to hear it and read it and yeah. grow from it. Yeah. So tell tell us uh, as we wrap up here, the guest for next week. Guest from next week is Samuel Say, and he um he is a pro life advocate. And I love this because usually when we talk about pro-life advocacy, we speak with women. Yeah. Or at least I think of women. Yeah. You know, And so I love that he is a man yeah. and he is in the space of pro-life advocacy. So that's what we're going to be touching on next week.
2: And he has a theory about why abortion has been seen as an essential service during this whole virus situation. Mm. And in mm-hmm. a recent blog post about that, we were intrigued and reached out to him. Well, really, it's Monique who b- books the big guests. Let's just let's just be clear. So I'm, um, I said, hey, on a whim, I said one day, can you get Samuel Say on the show? She's like, okay, I'll try. Next thing I know, boom, we got him. Yes. No. She had Jay Warner Wallace.
1: That that's, was you. That's the
2: Monique magic. Right that was there. you. See. <laughs> so join us next week for a conversation with Samuel Say about abortion and. Kind of what he sees is his unique contribution as a man, yeah, to pro-life conversations because our culture says men can't comment on this. And
1: that that is just such a lie, and I think it's meant to keep such important voices out of that space. Yes,
2: yeah. and some of the. Issues of critical theory related to that that tell men, that give mm-hmm. them men these messages. You can't comment about this issue. Yeah. Um. We'll we'll get into all of that and, yeah. and
1: abortion in the black community. Yeah, and why there are such high rates of abortion in yeah. the black community so we'll compared talk to about others.
2: All of yeah. those things next week on the show. Be sure to subscribe to our website and so you can get the show notes each week. And catch you can us on to,
1: Google Play, Apple Apple, Apple Podcasts, yeah. Spotify. Spotify,
2: all the places, YouTube. And share the show, share the show, share the show. That is the best way to help support this ministry. Share it with a friend. All right, Mm -hmm. it's time for us to go. Yes. Take care, everyone. Have a good week.